Hello, Bison. Welcome to the Hilltops podcast from the Hilltop. I'm Olivia Green, the Hilltop's multimedia editor with a weekly roundup to keep you up to date with the latest news and campus happenings. Thank you so much for being here. This week, finally a homecoming announcement, Bison sports, and a new mandatory curfew for some in PG County. Let's get into the news. Now, this August was recorded as the single deadliest month in Prince George's County history, according to the county executive, Angela Alsobrooks. The Hilltop article by Aaliyah Seabrooks mentions that there seems to have been a recent uptick in juvenile crime in the area. Over Labor Day weekend, three teenagers, a one-year-old, and six others were shot, and in response, PG County, Maryland announced a mandatory 30-day curfew for juveniles. Beginning September 9th, Juveniles aged 17 and younger are now required to be home between the hours of 10 p.m. and 5 a.m. Sundays through Thursdays and from 11.59 p.m. through 5 a.m. on Fridays and Saturdays unless they are accompanied by an adult. Consequences will begin with a warning to the parent or guardian of that child and if unanswered will result in the child being released to the Department of Social Services. Parents and business owners who allow minors to remain on their properties during the times of the curfew will face fines ranging from $50 to $250. Also, Brooks said in a statement to the Hilltop that while there are some who disagree with the curfew, she is responding to residents of PG County who have asked about what else can be done to protect their children. In a press conference, also Brooks said that there have been 430 juvenile arrests this year, which is more than double the arrests from this same time last year. Of those arrests, 84 were for carjackings, and half of those arrested for carjacking were under the age of 15 years old. Also, Brooks expressed her concern about how young perpetrators of some of these crimes are, especially considering that many were armed. So she calls on parents in the community to comply with these new curfew regulations. Aaliyah's reporting found that not everyone is in agreement with this new regulation. Some fear that it may cause unnecessary confrontations between young people and the police, which is anxiety-ridden for many because the county is 84% black and brown. Some parents and community members think kids just need more activities and after-school options to keep them occupied and are actively working to bolster those programs. To read more about what some think should be done, check out the full story on thehilltoponline.com. In campus news this week, Howard announced the theme for this year's homecoming, the Mechaverse. According to a statement from the university, the theme is in honor of alumni and the many generations who have contributed to this HU universe. Now, this year's celebrations will be held from October 15th through the 23rd, fully in person for the first time since 2019. Now, current Howard students and really HBCU students all over the place are in an interesting position when it comes to homecoming because while it's such an important cornerstone of our campus culture and our history, COVID kept us away from it for so long. So for current seniors like me, we had one traditional in-person homecoming when we were freshmen, the hybrid one last year, and that was it. So underclassmen and some transfer students have never experienced a traditional homecoming before. Well, not yet. So joining me on the line is Jade Santos, a transfer TV and film major. Thank you for being here, Jade. 
Thanks for having me. So tell me a little bit about what your perception of what homecoming was like at Howard before you got here. Well, essentially, I thought it was going to be, you know, lots of people gathering in the yard. I thought there were going to be people popping out in different outfits, you know, uh, everybody taking pictures, having a good time, seeing celebrities on campus pop out, seeing old alumni come through in their para. Um, I definitely thought that it was going to be, you know, the, the, the statement of the year, the cream of the crop, the everything leads up to this one moment, it's going to be amazing type of experience. And you attended the hybrid homecoming last year, right? I did. And for listeners, um, last year, there were different homecoming events. Some of them were virtual, um, but the big one, Yard Fest, was held in Crampton inside and not on the yard like usual. And alumni weren't um, invited due to COVID restrictions and all of that. So, Jay, tell me about what the hybrid homecoming Yard Fest was like. It was really underwhelming. I'm going to be completely honest. I think I expected more than what we got, especially given the fact that that there were protests going on simultaneously at the same time that people were trying to go to homecomings. Considering all of that, how are you feeling about homecoming this year? Are you looking forward to the possibility that things could be, you know, the traditional homecoming that you once imagined? Or do you feel like Howard has some reckoning to do with its students first? I definitely think Howard has some reckoning to do with their students, but as far as expectations that I've set on administration or, you know, UGSA or whatever organizations are involved in, you know, making sure that homecoming and campus events are amazing, I just don't see them coming back to the level that they used to be at pre-COVID. I think in addition to the fact that there are a multitude of health risks with inviting so many people this year, I also think it's a simple fact of, well, now, the facade has kind of been revealed and we see everything is not as merry at Howard as you guys are making it seem. So it's not as exciting to be, you know, getting dressed and getting ready to go to homecoming when you're fighting with administration about your financial aid still. Thank you, Jade. Thank you, Olivia. For those of you all who may be underclassmen or new to Howard and are looking forward to homecoming, here are some key events to look out for. There's the Bison Pep Rally, the Tailgate, the Annual Fashion Show, the Greek Life Step Show, the Homecoming Day of Service, the Lavender Reception, the Iconic Yard Fest, and the Homecoming Football Game against Delaware State in Green Stadium on the 22nd. For the latest homecoming information, visit homecoming.howard.edu. Again, thanks, Jade, for being here. The football team traveled to Hampton, Virginia on September 3rd for the 97th annual The Battle of the Real HU rivalry game against the Hampton Pirates. High stakes for this game, and it was a nail-biter, but Hampton won with a final score of 31-28. The game started with a scoreless first quarter, according to the Hilltop story by Skylar Jennings, but the momentum swung to the Bison after an interception by senior defensive back Christian Brown. This was his first as an HU athlete, and the team was able to lead a 67-yard drive, where senior quarterback Quinton Williams connected with junior wide receiver Casey Hawthorne for the first score of the game. As the game continued, however, things quickly got out of hand for the Bison. 
Even though the Bison didn't go on to defeat the Hampton Pirates this year, Howard University's Student Government Administration President Jordan Allen told the Hilltop that the culture and fanfare surrounding the game is alive as ever. Now, after a winning start to the season, the women's volleyball team is in the midst of a losing streak after losing three games at the Green Wave Classic at Tulane University over the weekend. The first defeat was a 1-3 loss against the Tulane Green Wave. Jaden Armont reported for the Hilltop that while the Bison usually dominate in kills, in this game, the Bison ended with 44 kills versus 52 by Tulane. The second defeat of the Classic was against the Ohio University Bobcats. Howard's offensive struggles continued, producing a final score of 1-3. The Bison battled it out in the last game against Kansas City and ended the weekend in New Orleans with a 2-3 loss. Statistically, Howard matches up well with Kansas City, but errors got the best of the Bison this weekend. Despite those losses, sophomore middle blocker Simone Woodward told the Hilltop that the team will use them as motivation moving forward, and they aren't intimidated by the setback. The men and women's cross-country teams opened their season on September 2nd at the Mount 5K Duels meet hosted by Mount St. Mary's University. According to Kyle Fisher's story for the Hilltop, the women's team won the meet overall with a final score of 44 points. Senior Melanie White was the meet's overall top finisher with a time of 19 minutes and 13 seconds. The men's team put up a competitive performance, placing third overall with a final score of 81 points. Senior Ayoade Adebei led the way for the team, beating his own former record for a time of 15 minutes and 56 seconds, taking almost 20 seconds off of his previous best mark. Good luck with the rest of the season, Bison. To read more about Howard Sports, head to thehilltoponline.com. Now before I sign off today, here's a reminder. The Hilltop is looking for students who are interested in contributing comics and illustrations to the paper. Check out our Instagram at the Hilltop HU to submit something, or to learn more, reach out to me at multimedia at thehilltoponline.com. Now that's all for this week. Thanks for listening to the Hilltalks podcast, your weekly roundup of everything happening at Howard. Sincerely, the Hilltop. I hope you all have a wonderful end to your week, and until next Thursday, I'm Olivia Green, in truth and service.